Alex, we're back. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just going to turn the camera real quick. That's, uh, just showed you my dog. Don't know what she's doing, but you know she's here. But anyway, Alex, it's a new episode of the podcast. We're here. We're going strong. Daniel is not here. Um, you know, we didn't quite shore up plans there, but he... He'll be around. I I guarantee he'll be around for the next episode. I have a feeling. You have a feeling? I have a feeling. Okay, I believe you. There you go, Alex. But anyway, you know how we start the show. We'll get right into it here. Lots to talk about. It is the power hour. It is the power hour. And first of all, Alex, I want to start off by saying that Alex Ovechkin is unbelievable. I think I texted you saying that he's done it again. Then a few minutes later, he had scored again. And then a few minutes later, you texted me at the same time I went to text you that he had scored a hat-trick. A natural hat-trick in about five minutes. Or in four minutes, 24 seconds, Alex Ovechkin, two goals away from 700, his 11th career 40-goal season, and sole possession right now of the lead league in goals. Uh, what, what can I say? I love him. You know, I can, I can, uh, I, I'm going to give you this stat. I don't know if you're going to believe me, though. Okay. So in his last seven games, he's had 14 goals. In his last six games, he's had three hat tricks uh, against LA, uh, which was last night, against the Islanders and against the Devils. And the last two were back-to-back games. That's not fair. He was only at like 22, like two weeks ago. I don't even remember, don't even remember where he was last week because it is just consistently changing. It, that is very true. And it I is mean, just consistently changing. He's going to be, he's, he's really going to be chasing Gritzky without a question. Alex Ovechkin, he's a winner. He has that cup, right? We'll talk about another team that's a winner. Alex, I did guess the Nationals would win, and I was right about that. But unfortunately, the 49ers blew it. The Kansas City Chiefs, not of Kansas, Mr. President, but uh, of Missouri, are uh, Super Bowl champions. Andy Reid, who, another guy who was kind of heralded as a choker, finally gets his Super Bowl ring, and he is going to find the biggest cheeseburger he can and celebrate, Alex. The Bruce Boudreaux of the uh, NFL. That's what I. That's what I heard. That's been given, I think, officially now to the 49ers. But it was incredible, incredible. I'm not a big football guy, as you know, Alex. I don't think either of us are. But oh boy, the 49ers. It always says something about the Super Bowl, though, when um, you know, J Lo and Shakira are the highlights of it. Yeah, yeah. It was That's okay. Sad. Hockey was like that goalie fight from the Flames game from the Battle of Alberta was on trending for like two days. Then the Super Bowl happened, and it just Shakira and J Lo, fifty million views. I, whatever. Yeah, it, it, nothing's going to compete with the Super Bowl. No, it, it it's 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 nuts. It's incredible how crazy the, the that sport is, Alex. 
uh, you know, it's 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 crazy just the commercials and all that you get from there. What was your favorite commercial from the Super Bowl that you saw? Honestly, I like the uh, Tide commercial. I don't know why. I don't know if you saw it. I had. And I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you what it was about. But it was, all I remember was it being funny. Did you see and, the Google one? No, apparently it was very sad. Oh, it is. It's a kick to the dick is what it is. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was literally watching the Steve Dangle podcast right when it came out and watching the Super Bowl. So I didn't even have the volume on. He shoots, he scores from Skip the Dishes, Alex. Enjoy $7 off game delivery of a coupon already applied to your account. Limited time offer. Are the Leafs the least played tonight, don't they? Yeah, they play against the Rangers. We'll talk about that a little later, Alex. Uh, you know, the yeah. Rangers, they're a good Metro team. Not really that good, but, you know, they've got some good players there. The Flyers, however, some first of all, some good news. Apparently, Nolan Patrick was in practice today. I believe that's the first time this season. So Yeah, clear for contact. Which is, that's incredible for him. Uh, but more importantly, Gritty is free, my, my friend. Yeah, the uh, I believe it was yesterday or a couple days ago, the uh, Philadelphia Police Department released a statement saying uh, that the investigation is no longer active and that they determined the act- actions of the in- individual portraying the Flyers mascot did not constitute physical assault as alleged. Uh, I love how the the Philadelphia police are keeping kayfabe here and aren't revealing his name. Yeah. This is gritty. Not even Joe Schmegelding. It's no, it's no, gritty. it's gritty. Are you going to do it? It is gritty. Is Carter Hart still hurt for the flyers? I wonder. I believe so. That's a shame. Cause I, uh, you know, I saw Brian Elliott's last five games and he was doing really, really well, but you know, they're still missing. It looks like they will get Nolan Patrick back. That's a good little. That's a good good sign for them. But the Flyers, one of those teams, they're right there in in that wild card race that just gets tighter and tighter, especially with um, Toronto and Florida just going head to head. But I will tell you about one team that is much uh, much. It's getting farther and farther out of the playoff picture, and that is the Buffalo Sabers, who again got ripped apart last night 6-1 by the Colorado Avalanche. They were getting booed when they were going back onto the ice for the intermission, not even just And they are, it's just bad. It's just bad. I don't even know what other word that I wouldn't have to censor out to describe what the Buffalo Sabres are this year. And, you know, we talked about it last episode, what the issue is there. Because, you know, you look at the players on the ice, and I think if you list them individually, you'd get a good sense of, you know what, they have some good players here. You know, Marcus Johansson has been a good player in the past. Reinhardt is a good player now, could be better in the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't know what's up there. I mean, the players on the ice, obviously, are just the start of the issue. Um if you go listen to Dwayne's first the phone call, you hear that there's more issues than than what we are aware of from Toronto. And then he was on uh, Steve Dangle podcast uh, on Sunday, and he got into a little more detail about issues beyond the players, beyond the ice. There's more issues than than we know. 
That is, um, it is really, really embarrassing when, when you bring your alumni back and you don't spell their names right on the jerseys. I think it's also embarrassing when you go on two massive win streaks and it's February 5th. What's today's date? February 5th. And you're now not even in a playoff spot. And they're, they're that's embarrassing. They lost to the Canadians last week. The Canadians, who I believe are now 8-3 and three in their last 11 games. Of course, they lose again last night. They almost slipped against the Blue Jackets before Jack Eichel got a wicked shot off in an overtime frame there. But no, the Sabres, I think, are at a point in the season when you can say, no, it's done. There's there, there's too many teams in front of them to get ahead of. And it, it's, it's going to be looked back on as well, another... We were saying this how long... I know, but now it, it is the nails are finally being beaten. Like, the casket is closed, I think. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like we've had this discussion about Buffalo for weeks. Because, again, they didn't address the goalie issue. And I don't still don't understand why Michael Froelich was brought in, but... That's a whole set of issues that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would recommend people, after they've listened to this episode, of course, go listen to last week's episode because we got into, uh, I think, one of the more, more heated debates about hockey last week, talking about the Sabres and Jason Bottrell. Oh, yes. Um, but at least all their issues are at least to do with with hockey and playing and coaching and maybe roster construction. At least they aren't illegally scouting players like the Arizona Coyotes are. Now, somehow we forgot to talk about this with that with Daniel, but the NHL are investigating the Arizona Coyotes for allegedly fitness testing draft-eligible prospects. This was originally reported by uh, Darren Drager, of course, and he later on would expand on insider trading that, of course, the investigation allegedly putting draft-eligible Canadian Junior League prospects through fitness testing ahead of the NHL draft. Now, of course, you are not allowed to test prospects until the combine. So this is a big no-no. And apparently, the league has the CHL has gone to the OHL, the WHL, and the QMJHL asking about if this is true. And multiple teams have gone back and said, yes, they have pet tested our players. A... Why were they letting them if they knew it was against the rules? And B, Alex, why is this not being talked about more? Because this seems like a big no-no. Well, do you know what the thing is here? There's there, there's obviously a whole lot to talk about. But before we can actually, I guess, get into the nitty-gritty of what has happened, we don't know what the nitty-gritty is. Like, how many times have they done this? Uh, th- th- not all the information is out. I mean, obviously, listen, it's uh, $250,000 or more per incident at discretion of the commissioner. That That's what Darren Dreger said. So that's a whole lot of money for a team that is not profitable. No, that, no. That's, that's a whole lot of money to spend. Right? So it, it, it just... It's does it's not a good look for the team. No, I'm very sorry. simply, it's not a good look. I should go back on myself here. Sorry, I missed this little tidbit. That was 
The Coyotes did not take any measurements or request any physical test during the interview. So they just said, all right, we're going to do it. That is terrible. Wait, what What do you mean? What did they do then? They just did fitness testing? So this is from an article from Sporting News. According to Darren Drager, the league very clearly states that teams may not conduct any sort of physical test before the combine. Of course, we know that. Morgan mm-hmm. reports that the league grew concerned with the participation of a strength and conditioning consultant, Tommy Powers, in these interviews. Additionally, the Coyotes reportedly requested the draft prospects attend these interviews wearing a t-shirt and shorts so team could eyeball their bodies. Morgan sources contended that the Coyotes did not take any measurements or request any physical tests during these interviews. So, so what tests were they doing? What fitness tests? Testing, were they doing? Well, the Coyotes haven't okay, that's admitted fine. anything, but I mean, yeah, of course they haven't admitted anything. But bringing your physical consultant just to look at a right. teenager in shorts and t-shirts is a bit weird. Oh, you're just trying to find a way around the rule. Mm-hmm. That's what's that's what's happening. It seems like they're just kind of sliding around. To avoid the two hundred fifty thousand dollars per incident, <laughs> it, now, I, it's, I, I, at the end of the day, it's not a good look. It's no. just not a good look. And I don't know much about the Coyote staff as a whole, but I don't imagine they have the most, you know, extensive drafting. Oh, sorry, scouting staff. Of course, they're a team that only recently has started to have an owner that actually throws money at the team. So I wonder, again, yeah, like as you say, this is their way of trying to get around, maybe not having the the resources of, you know, a team like a Montreal or Toronto, I guess. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what, what... Obviously, there's advantages to doing this now versus... There, there must be advantages to doing it now than at the combine. I, I'm not sure what the advantages are. So, again, it's not a good look on the team, and and I'd argue it's not a good look on the league either. But you do make a good point. Like they, they, I'd assume most, uh, not all the teams, like, I don't know. It's very weird. They don't have a lot of scouting staff, of course. So, but Alex, you talk about a good look. I'll tell you who's a good looking dude. That's Jumbo Joe. Great beard, great man. Yeah. And last night, three one, an assist. Of course it is. Jumbo Joe hits fifteen hundred points. Yeah, got the fifteen hundredth point on his second assist of the night. In a 3-1 win against Calgary, that makes it 1,500 points in 1,620 games. But, as according to at uh, Moz underscore Morris on Twitter, but not a 100 player according to the NHL. Yeah. I feel like it sucks for us because, or maybe me more specifically, that Jumbo Joe's probably his best years were a bit before I was really a fan, but... It's just a number of like 1,500. It's like Ovi's almost at 700 goals. It's just 1,500 points at his age. It's a lot of points. 
it shows just how like long he's been around and how good he is and of course it's an assist too that's just that's poetry as we at least as we say it rhymes carry no sorry go away dog i want to just look up jumbo joe's numbers again because i believe he's over a is he over a thousand assists now yeah uh 1085 assists that's incredible oh let me ask you this because i i've been i was thinking about this the other day why do we not make a bigger deal of something like 50 assists or a thousand assists as we do for something like say 500 goals because that many assists is it like why is it when nick backstrom hits 50 assists in the season we're not like Attaboy, back, he's done again. Or even if you want to bring it up to like a 60 or 70 assists, like you got to make D8. Like assists, assists aren't goals. Yeah, but it's it's still points. Like we, I, I, I mentioned it to you the other day. If you take away Gretzky's all his goals, he still leads the league with his assists alone. Yeah, but a goal is an assist. I'm just telling you the thought process here. I, I don't like it. I don't like uh, it. I think we need to put more stock into assists. The original okay. advanced stat, as we call it. Yeah, I guess it technically is. But anyway, congrats to Jumbo Joe, the former Bruin. Now, the Bruins were actually playing the Canucks last night. Funny, they won 4 nothing, the same score of Game 7 back in the day. And Alex, I, I really want to know what is an offside because I don't think I know anymore. It's, uh, um, honestly, I got no idea for you. So, of course, the incident I'm referring to is, first of all, did you see it? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to quickly bring this back up because... Yeah, well, so I read something about because technically he wasn't in control, like he wasn't holding on to the puck with his stick, it wasn't offside. If you look at McAvoy, his stick leaves the puck as... Coil or whoever was there comes back and he goes into the zone. Then he touches the puck. I'm not entirely sure if that makes sense. It, I, I, it does. He, he's <laughs> straddling, like, straddling the line, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But the puck, he he is handling the puck. All right, you want to make a possession if you want or whatever. It crosses the line. It is off. Yeah, but that's- he lets he lets go of the puck. That's the point they're making is Charlie McAvoy, his stick leaves the puck and then Coyle comes back, McAvoy, or whoever it was, so I don't know why I'm saying Coyle here. Uh, the player comes back on side, McAvoy goes in. I think you were saying because McAvoy was on the puck, but um, it was on that play that it was uh, Charlie Coyle who did score. So ju- just to clarify for me, are you saying it should have been a goal or should not? As in, was it offside or no, officially from you? Um, I'm based on the rules that we have been given. It's technically not offside. If you were the ref in that scenario, what do you call? I call it not offside because he didn't have the puck. Technically, he didn't have the puck because his the puck was not on his stick. Or he and he was not controlling the puck. It's not like Charlie Coyle when he was he hit the puck with his feet. 
You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, don't remind me of that. Okay. That was... Uh, Montreal did not deserve to win that game, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very black and white. I see that the puck crosses the line the other side, and I say that's offside, but you know what? As that long- wasn't the thing. So I watched... Pardon? No, no, sir. I, I was going to say that, you know what? I think we wouldn't be as confused about this if they have been consistent with this rule of offsides, but they haven't been for the past how many years? Uh, since they changed the rule or whatever. I don't know what they were doing. Um, I sent you a clip if you can watch it. Mm-hmm. It is a late hit by Matt Greslick on Elias Patterson that was, again, not called. Uh, hold on a minute. So I'll, I'm going to explain it as you're watching it. Pedersen is in the zone, uh, gets rid of the puck. Uh, Pedersen's going against the board, is against the boards essentially. And Grizzlick hits him two seconds after he gets rid of the puck. The ref can, can see it, see the situation, and clearly does not call a penalty. This is, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, he leaves the puck, and then as they're about to go around the net, he just puts Patterson down. How the hell right. is that called? I, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't want to get into it, but I don't understand what the point point is anymore. I don't understand anymore. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I don't understand because I feel like we can pull out in like we can have a full segment once a week of a very explicit play that should have been called a penalty. And it's like they haven't changed. I mean, we can probably do the same thing, not from the rest perspective, but from the Department of Player Safety, where something should have been suspended and. It, they didn't even get called. Like, we can have a segment every Sunday if we wanted to. And, and it, neither of us would be surprised. Can I read you this JT Miller quote? Yeah. So I, 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 I think everyone forgets about how fun these Bruins-Canucks games are. JT Miller on the Bruins, quote, I don't think they're anything special. I mean, they're a good hockey team. But I'm not sitting here saying, oh, man. We're playing this team tonight. We're a good hockey team. We should have swag about that, end quote. So uh, the, the Bruins, who have lost two regulation games at home, are at the top of the Atlantic Division and were the Eastern Conference champions last year. And JT Miller, after getting thumped for nothing, is saying, oh, man, we're not that scared of the Boston Bruins. Oh, you don't have to be scared of the Boston Bruins. That's all. I, I, I don't think... Yeah, sure, they're great. That doesn't mean you have to be scared of them. I mean, he said they weren't special. I, I'd say the Bruins are a pretty special team. I'll tell you why they're not specials, because time and time and time and time again, and I think you can agree with me on this, is that there's very specific incidents that piss people off very much. That, sure that don't get too. called. That don't get called. Uh, that they just do stupid stuff and nothing happens. No, sorry. I don't care if you if if they're top of the Atlantic, top of the league. I don't care. I don't. So, do you think this is just what? It's just smack talk. It's a bitter JT Miller. 
I don't think he's being bitter. I think it's just smack talk. I think you see it. Ha- I, I don't think it's that big of a thing in the NHL, but I think you see it in other sports. You see it happen. I see it happen in basketball. See it happen in football. Uh, you see it happen in the and the biggest thing, the biggest one is you see it in the UFC or MMA all the time. They're smack talking each other twenty four seven. It's clearly just smack talk at this point. Basketball is you're right. Is is how how often you see Kevin Durant throw a tweet out there where you're like, oh boy, we're gonna get a reaction. Uh, Wait, on his actual account or his burner account? <laughs> that is uh, that is a good question, Alex. Let me ask you this. We want to have a pop quiz today because I think we're going to reserve those for in-seats or in-studio ones because I like having a physical copy like a teacher. But Alex, I have to ask you, what is your read of the bye week? It is from Sportsnet by your favorite person, Eric Engels. My boy! I love it. Uh, it is about the... New Jersey Devils and P.K. Subban. They must find a better way forward together. I like that. You know how P.K. has a YouTube channel? I had no idea he had a YouTube channel. (laughs) He posted a a vlog of him in Montreal. I don't watch it yet because I feel like I'm going to cry, but he still loves it here. He still wants to be a hab. It's it's, it's, It's such a shame, but... What are you going to do about it? That's a good one. Eric Angles, an underrated member of the Sportsnet crew, I'll tell you. He's no David Singh, but... Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I had to say that. Well, Alex, do you want to know what mine is? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so thankful that you asked. Because, Alex, it just happens to be what's going to lead us into our next segment. This is from the athletic Craig Custins, the man, the myth, the legend. The NHL agent pull. Agents have their say on GMs, Gary Bettman, teams on no trade lists, and more. Yeah, I uh, I read it because I was going to send it to you. So I just pulled out a couple things. Obviously, I don't want to go through the entire article because, you know, it's paid. You have to pay for that stuff, okay? Subscribe to The Athletic. Um. I think a couple big things that I pulled out here is that the agents don't think they're going to the Olympics. Uh, the agents could, don't even think about offer sheets uh, and Winnipeg and Ottawa. That's sorry, a Alex, whole lot of it. Could you just say that again because you sounded like a robot there? No, uh, no Olympics. Yeah. No one cares about offer sheets, including the agents. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg and Ottawa, no one wants to go there. Yeah, I think what was one of the quotes about Ottawa that it's just it's they, the owner. They say, it's yeah. just the owner. Uh, what, I, <laughs> what I found really funny was the two of thing the questions about the GMs who are the most reasonable to deal with, and how yeah. you know it's pretty tame to deal with. But then uh, of the most reasonable guys, Ken Holland was up there because I mean, he'll give you a seven-year, eight million dollar deal like nothing. <laughs> But also that, um, of course, Lou Lamorello was up there. And Colin Dubas, too, despite being a, a new guy around the block. Yeah. Uh, so who was the first name? Sorry, I heard Kyle Dubas. I missed the name before. Uh, Ken Holland. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but if you Ken listen Holland. to these, if you read these lists, it's, it's Ken Holland, vet, Jim Neal, who used to, of course, work with Holland in Detroit, Lamorello, of course, we all know what he's about, 
Chuck Fletcher, I mean, yeah, Parise and Cedar are going to love talking to him. And then it just Kyle Dubas just, just stands out a lot there. And then one person said that it was a stupid question. Yeah, but he should be fired. Yeah. And yeah. The, one, the the GMs who were the most unreasonable, uh, Bob, Bob Murray. And Doug Armstrong in St. Louis, which was a... Which was well, was I, can, I can understand the... Uh, the Doug Armstrong one, because there's always the talks about he's a stickler uh, when it comes to the contracts. Not in a bad way, and like he he he's gonna push it so that he gets the most out of the deal. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right. surprised Doug Wilson wasn't on here because everything you hear is that he they call him the dentist because he gets you in the chair and you're screwed. <laughs> I've never heard that. Okay. And then uh-huh. Mark Bergevin was on here once, and there's a quote about him that I wanted to bring up to you. Mark Bergevin, Canadians, he's got his back up in literally every conversation. Burge, stand down. It's just a conversation. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Radulov and Markov left. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we've just described the the Canadian situation. Yeah, Mark Bergevin. To me. For me, it sounds like he's up the wall. His back's up against the wall in every situation. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, Can we talk about how Winnipeg and Ottawa are at the top of the lists? Let me just read you this quote about the Ottawa Senators. Quote, Ottawa, everything you hear, the ownership, they haven't won anything, the Canadian dollar. It's like the dumping ground in the NHL of Canada. Wow. It's a lot. I, I so want to know who said that. <laughs> okay, let's go through the players that used to play in Ottawa. <laughs> uh, Mike Hoffman. That's my first guess. Good old Carlson, too. <laughs> Carlson, yeah. I didn't think about that one. Um, but Winnipeg, you know, I, I mean... You know, they have a good team. I, I, I'm really guessing that the reason they're on the no-trade list is I, – I don't remember the quotes off the top of my head, but I'd imagine that it has something to do with it being – no offense, but it being in Winnipeg. Yeah. And the conditions there aren't the greatest. Listen to this. Um, this is this is going to – like perfectly for your point here. It's just the compatibility of living. Do you want to live in Chicago, Nashville, Vegas, or do you want to live in Winnipeg is what one agent said. And it's fair. I mean, Winnipeg is just – it's a fun city. Where do you see no, – I'm sorry. Fun is in – it just seems like a nice old Canadian city. When Vegas, Nashville, those are party cities. Yeah, but they get – okay, not Nashville, but Chicago can get chilly. Right, you know what I mean? But you, you list Vegas already there. Like, I take Vegas probably over all the cities you listed. Yes. Right? But I understand why Winnipeg is on the list. I mean, this has been a discussion for a couple of years now, right? I feel like we've been have, we, uh a lot of people have been talking about having Winnipeg on their no trade list for, I don't even, since, who was the team that went in there and said there was no internet or something like that? Was that, that Nashville? That was what? 
That was a wait, is this a, no? Was, it was a joke. It's not in the art. This is years ago. <laughs> it's it, it's been a talking point for some time. That's what the thing is. So that the point that Winnipeg was there wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, Ottawa was not surprised me considering how messy the last uh, two years have been. I mean, other than that, there are not a whole lot of other surprises. I, I was looking, I was trying to find the exact quote about Buffalo. Winnipeg and Buffalo. Sorry, this is one of the quotes. Quote, Winnipeg and Buffalo. I can't tell you why, but I just had a lot of guys tell me. Quote, I'm not going to swear, Alex. I'm not going to bleep in Buffalo. It's a good country. I think a lot of guys just fly in there and it looks miserable. And you have to shame Alex because really, like, Buffalo's been on the up. And another one that I saw, there, there's some stuff about Montreal as well, saying, like, it's hard to play there, taxes, all that kind of stuff. It's funny. No one's saying that about Toronto. Um, Maybe. When? At the same time, Montreal taxes are bad, but at the same time, what did I say, Alex? Win and people will come in. Uh, Columbus is up there as well. I can't see anything really that stands out. I think it's just because it's eh, Columbus, right? Um, San Jose and Toronto also got one. The Rangers got a vote, but it was more just like it's too big a city, I guess. Because, you know, not about the big life. I wouldn't want to play in New York. But, Alex, right. I think that's that's all the key stuff about the NHL player polls. Yeah. But go check, go subscribe to The Athletic and check it out. Oh, for sure. It is, you just get some of the best reads, the most interesting. You know, you know what they say, Alex? The Athletic, a new standard in sports journalism. <laughs> what a great tagline. That's pretty good. But Alex, I'll tell you now what's we, not good. Tell me. Dustin Bufflin and the Jets appear to be very close and mutually agreeing to terminate his contract. It's been a mess there, to say the least. Of course, they've kind of been, you know, handcuffed when it comes to his cap hit because they didn't know what was going on exactly. They probably would have changed the course of their summer, of course, losing Tyler Myers, trading away Jacob Truba. But now it looks like Bufflin is on his way out of Winnipeg, and uh, it's, it's, it's rough. It's going to be well, rough. Well, Friedman reported on headlines on Saturday that he hasn't even started skating yet. Uh, this season so from that I'd assume that he's probably not going to be on a team by February 24th which is I believe the deadline to play in the playoffs um, and so I guess a couple questions from here be, I'm assuming at this point uh, the fact that he want that they've gone through this mutual termination uh, kind of signals to me that he still wants to be in the league yes I think he'd say screw it, sit on LTIR, and um, and then come back. But that really hasn't been the case. So I guess two things that come from that are number one, what would a new contract look like? Uh, you know, are we looking at something like the Kevin Shattenkirk or the Kevin? So how much does Kevin Shattenkirk make? I will look that up for you right now. Uh, is it something like the Kevin Shattenkirk or the Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, who Kovalchuk signed for one year for the rest of the season at seven hundred thousand? I'm just gonna let me know what Shattenkirk makes. It's not coming me off the top of my head. One point um, seven five. 
1.75 you see something like that i put one year contract for a couple million uh it really depends on his conditioning and how he's skating because he came off of surgery on a high ankle sprain now i see certain teams and we're gonna get to the teams in a little bit but i could see certain teams throwing him cup uh multi-year deals i don't know if that makes sense i think based on his age um, depending on his skating, I think for now you'd go. I think he might get something like the Joe Thorne or the Zidano Char treatment, where you know you're just signing one year deals at this point. But what do you think if he comes back next season? It's July first, uh, uh, free agency. What does the Dustin Bufflin contract look like? I think you're exactly right. I I don't imagine him. Well, first of all, it's going to depend on the market, and he's a big he's a big defenseman. Yeah, we don't know what his skating is like, but right, he is tough. Yeah, and he's he's an effective player who is tough. I mean, look up his highlights. He's one of the most fantastic defensemen in the league to watch. He'll manhandle half the guys on the ice without even trying. So, I mean, if there gets a real market, I don't see him getting more than probably three. But I, I could, without a question, seeing a team giving him two years at three. Or a team that maybe is a, a definitely more competitive could look at maybe needing to get a right-handed defenseman, a fellow Canadian team. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Toronto Maple Leafs take a look at Dustin Buffel. That was one of the, the um, team. I had four teams, potential teams. Uh, where I could potentially look at looking at bringing him in. Um, obviously, first one I'd give to Toronto. You know, it, it's obvious they need a right-handed defenseman. It doesn't look like Tyson Berry's coming back next year. Uh, you know, you obviously have Justin Hall uh, and whatever Timothy Lilligren is at the start of You're training forget- camp next year. Pardon? You're forgetting someone. Right. <laughs> Cody uh, CC? Yeah. No, I'm not forgetting Cody CC. Get out of here. I'm looking um, at the notes you have on the thing, and it's just Cody Epic CC. So. Yeah, I again, I have lost stable with the Leafs. Um, you know, th- there's a list of of th- teams. You know, obviously, uh, we've talked about Vegas looking for a right-handed defenseman, a puck-moving defenseman, depending what you consider. Uh, Bufflin, I think we had this conversation last night that, you know, you can consider both, you know, he can move the puck. He's also stay at home. You know, he's a mix of both. Is that something the, um, the Golden Knights look at doing over the summer? Potentially another team that I thought was quite interesting. The Minnesota Wild, you know, he's from, uh, he's from Minnesota, or he's from Minneapolis somewhere. He's from around Minnesota, at least. Um, is that a team that looks at him? You know, we're all talking about them trading Matt Dumba. If they trade Matt Dumba, I wouldn't even be surprised if Minnesota go after him. Even if they keep Matt Dumba, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after him just because it's that hometown. If I am the Minnesota Wild, I, I don't think it makes any sense. But at the same time, it's Minnesota. And because it doesn't it, make any sense. No one said it had to make sense. 
I really like Vegas because I heard somebody suggest, I think it may have been one of the fellows on Hockey Central, talking about what if Joe Thornton ended up in Vegas and I'm like, Pete DeBoer is in Vegas. And then could you imagine if Vegas also got a divisional rival or sorry, a, a rival team because of course they played the Jets in the play, in the playoffs a few years ago when they went to right. the uh, Stanley Cup final that they take Buffalo as well and Vegas just becomes like even more of a big bad guy. And, I mean, it yeah, it, it would be it would look interesting. And I mean, you're not. It's either. Well, I think first they're going to look at Sammy Batten and see if maybe there's an extension to be worked out there. I think like say him or, or Carolina are going to get a bidding war with Batten, but I, I could see it. I don't know. Because, I, I, again, I think Vegas are a very physical team. You look at Ryan Reeves. You look at Will Carrier. Those are the guys that are going to be leading you in hits. I mean, the entire league in hits. I think he fits in really well there. Even if he is a bit more of a quiet guy as Dustin Bufflin, you know, everything you hear about is like he likes to just go fishing. Well, Anthony Stewart says he is the type of guy that beats his own drum. Mm-hmm. Right? So whatever he wants – that is what's going to happen. Uh, I had a crazy idea. Okay. I like crazy. Chaos. Crazy idea. Absolute chaos. One team that could look at bringing Dustin Bufflin in. No idea this could happen. He happened to win a cup with them in 2010, I believe. Are you crazy bastard? The, the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, we had this discussion last episode or a couple episodes ago. Um, Bringing the band back together, you know, they still have Corey Crawford. They brought back Andrew Shaw. They brought back Brandon Saad. Uh, they still got Kane and Taze. It just seems like uh, destiny to bring Dustin Bufflin back. And they're going, <laughs> Seabrook's going to be on LTIR, so that's what. Seabrook's going to be on LTIR. Here's a lot that makes a lot of sense out. I like six that. by six. Six yeah. by six. I wouldn't be surprised. You know that's going to come up. So while the Leafs, the the Golden Knights, and all the Blackhawks are in on Dustin Bufflin, we're going to hear at the end of June. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh boy, yeah, that wouldn't. That would be interesting. That would be ultimate chaos. It's really funny to look at the Blackhawks. They're just—I just don't understand. I still don't understand where they're going. I don't. I'm not convinced they're going to make the playoffs. I know Calgary. No, no. Has had a lot of stuff going wrong, but I don't see them falling out to the point where you know that wild card spot shows up for the Blackhawks. But Dustin Bufflin, man, I asked to you the Chicago see, Blackhawks. Yeah. I, I to ask you this over text, but I want to talk about here on the pod, Alex. Dustin Bufflin in the future, he's obviously not going to be a Jet anymore. I love return games so much because I, I just live for the reaction. Do you think? That he will be booed on his return. Probably. Yeah. I said probably, and here's why. You know, you look at the Winnipeg Jets right now, and, you know, they've had this really weird season. They started slow, then, you know, had this really long stretch. Uh, you know, Paul Maurice looked like a genius. Connor Hellebuck was standing on his head and now are kind of going up and down, up and down, up and down a little bit. You think if they knew, you know, that's $7.6 million in cap space. Uh, you, we always knew that even with Dustin Bufflin, their right side wasn't as strong. But now that Dustin Bufflin is 
isn't there. It's it, it, I'd consider it a weak right side. Um, and they probably, I wouldn't have been surprised if they gone out and made a trade, you know, bringing in a Sammy Vatnin. I made the, I made the suggestion to you that if Calgary really drops out, which I don't expect them to do, do you see Travis Hamnick traded to, to the, uh, Jets? He's from, uh, Winnipeg, I believe, or around Winnipeg. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him there in the summer. There's just all these moves they could have made to strengthen their right side, but they weren't sure what what they they had because Bufflin's seven point six was up kind of up in the air. You know, he first he was suspended, then they were going to go through the arbitration process. That was going to take a while, so they were kind of left in a sticky situation. And then it was kind of the NHL was getting involved, and the the Jets were like, "Yeah, like we can't really do anything." So. They they finished the Connor and Lyon negotiations, and they did it so they had exactly the same amount. So they went like tooth and nail on these other young guys in their negotiations just to make room for him. Yeah, it it, it it's a no, I don't want to say it's a bad look on Bufflin. Like obviously you know what, um, he had to do what he had to do, but I don't think it's going to be fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's going to be he's going to get a cheer when he comes to back to Winnipeg. And uh, that's a loud building. So whatever the reaction, it's going to be fun. By the way, Travis Hamadek, one big reason why I can see that working out, he doesn't have a no trade list or anything. So Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's from there. That's why I think he could go there in the summer. I mean, I, I don't have any inside sources. It's just a massive speculation here. I mean, Paul Stastny's a Winnipeg guy, but he didn't want to talk to the media. You're going to think you want to live there? Ah, I went there, whatever. Sorry. But uh, anyway, Alex, I think that's about it we can talk about for the Jets. Or do you have anything else to add there? No. Just since we just talked about them, uh, like, oh, sorry, I, I threw them out there for a second. I want to ask you about Carolina because, of course, they, they still have, like, Dougie Hamilton. He's not going to be here for a while. <laughs> If at all this season, we also talked about Sammy Vatnin. Do you think that Carolina are a likely little team to look after a guy like Sammy Vatnin? Here's the thing with with Carolina is that they're another completely different situation, though. They're another team like Buffalo who has a who has depth on the defense. You know, you you obviously got your Jacob Slav and you got. Uh, you have Gardner, you have Hayden Flurry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you go out and make an acquisition of a defenseman? Uh, they do have an extra first round pick. Obviously, the the Leafs first round pick either this year or next year, depending on what the hell happens over there. Um, it 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 depends on what they want to do. I don't think there's anyone really there thinking of bringing up uh right now they have slavin gardner pesci edmondson uh trevor van reams and hayden flurry that's without dougie hamilton is it worth it for them to go out and get a another player sure if they think they're going to make a run 
I would for sure go out and get, you know, you go out and get Sammy Vatnin. Uh, he can move the puck similar, I'd assume similar to Hamilton, not to that same level, obviously. At this point, you're looking for a replacement. Is Have they said how long he's out for? I will try and find something out right now. Because if he's out long, long term, I think for the rest of the season, it's tough. It's tough to say because, you know, they have players. They have players to play defense. I don't know if they make a big addition like a Sammy Vatanen. I think maybe they look at bringing in different guys. Small, like, you know, last year, I think the Jets made all these acquisitions uh, you know, they brought in Par Lindholm. Then they went out and got Nathan Beaulieu. Matt Hendricks. Matt Hendricks. Like, you know, they brought in these guys, these bottom pairing guys, fourth line guys who are depth. Is I think for them, it makes more sense to do that than to bring in a Sammy Vatnin. Um, by the way, Dougie, as of five days ago, Don Waddell said apparently the injury is eight to 12 weeks. Now, if it's 10 weeks... That's the last week of March. So it they're not ruling him out for the rest of the season, but at the same time, such an important piece, the last thing you want to do is rush him back. Right. Right. So he could potentially miss the first couple game of games of the playoffs? If they make it, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. They, they're in that wild card race. They really yeah. are. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe they do go if that's the case. Maybe they do go out and get Sammy Vatnin because I don't. I can't imagine what the price is at this point. Like there's been all these rumors. I read somewhere a second round something about a second round picking a prospect. I think you know, considering Carolina, they do have a they have a good system. Their set of prospects there, giving up a pick and a prospect might not even be anything for them. I think that's something, sure, depending on how the situation is looking with Hamilton. By the way, the Carolina Hurricanes sit three points back of the Islanders, two points back of the Flyers, and same amount of points as the Leafs. The Leafs are ahead, of course, because of regulation wins, so they're they're right in the thick of it. I didn't realize how far they had fallen out. Or I'm just realizing this now that the Islanders are in a wild card position because uh, Columbus have just been that good. Eight, one, and one in their last ten. Jesus. What yeah. did you what did you tell me before the show about the Islanders? By the way. Oh, cause I'm in uh in my um in my sports economics class we were talking about profitable teams and they were not profitable last year. Best said something. Best says something that you win a playoff round and you're not financially in a good spot. No, that's very disappointing to me. But if you want to talk about disappointment, though, <laughs> there's uh, the Habs who actually have been pretty good lately, and then there's all who are having, but they're having a disappointing season as a whole. The Leafs, who are still in the thick of things, as are you know Caroline and that, but had a really disappointing game against the Florida Panthers. Alex, there's two routes to take here. Where do we want to go? You know what? Why don't you go first? Because I'm probably gonna yell or not yell. I may get angry. So why don't we just go with you first? So you know it's really interesting. So the Habs 
I think I said earlier about eight three. Eight and three in their last 10, 11 games. They've been really good. Now, I, I, how are Alex? I know they're not making it. I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> but the flu has been hitting the Habs so bad. Price didn't go with um, the team to New Jersey, and Lindgren had to play, and Lindgren was not good last night. At one point, the Habs were down 3 nothing before coming back to win 5-4 in a shootout, I believe, was the final score. Did you see what happened in the shootout, though? Yeah, I saw Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm I'm at a point where, of course, for those of you who didn't see, Ilya Kovalchuk was the only person who scored in the shootout, and of course they were in New Jersey. Who, for all of us, you know, seemed to for I forgot until I was watching that this is of course Ilya Kovalchuk's former team, uh, the team that tried to give him an illegal contract, and he then turned his back on to go to Russia. So he gets the shootout winner, an amazing goal, and he he gives the old Mike Ribeiro shush to the crowd, which was. Absolutely hilarious. Max Domi put a video of them on the plane and him doing it again. So, Alex, I hate to say this, but I think I I think I want to keep Ilya Kovalchuk, <laughs> or at least you take a very long look at bringing him back if you can get a good asset for him. Come trade deadline, but like bring him back July first. I. I don't know what it is. I don't know what this says about this team that this guy who has ten points in twelve games and is. In the twilight of his career is the biggest highlight of of the forward group. I don't know what to say, but Druin's close to coming back, so that's nice. But um, Byron is somewhere. Everyone's sick. I I don't know, Alex. This team's in a very weird position. But Ilya Kovalchuk, man, Ilya Kovalchuk. I love Listen, him. Listen, I feel like we've been having the same discussion for three weeks. Yes. About who, and I, I think I brought this up to you uh, Monday night when we were in class, uh, that, you know, we've had the same discussion about who they should trade, when they should trade them, and then you brought this point up to me. He, Mark Bergerman's not going to do anything. No. Because here's the, here's the problem I have. And and I know I'm a Toronto fan, and you know I'm supposed to hate Montreal, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna be have a discussion with you here. I, I I'm being I'm being dead serious, like all biases aside. Yeah. You know, last year we had the there was the discussion that, uh, you know, oh this isn't our year next year. The year before that we had the same discussion, you know. And we're having the same discussion again this year that, oh, you know, don't trade Petrie and Tatar because we're going to be better next year. It, it gets to a point where I understand you have Carey Price and Shea Weber, but you're going to have to tear it down because we're having the same discussion with we're having the same discussion with the minnesota wild who who like yeah sure we have these prospects who are coming in but we're going to keep our old guys and and then we're having the we're having discussion that oh this isn't our year next year this isn't our year next year at the end of the day both of us know that when there's there's a maybe a handful of teams that make the NHL prosper and Montreal is one of them. Mm -hmm. So when we have the discussions of, Oh, this isn't our year. This isn't our year. This isn't our year, but next year will be our year. And then you, you turn around and say that next year, it, it doesn't, not only does it not look good, but now 
we're going to get to next year. And we've had this discussion that, sorry, I don't think you're going to get the same for Tatar. You're not going to get the same that you could have got for Petrie. Right? So it, 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 to me, it doesn't make sense to that we keep having the conversation of next, this isn't our year for net, but we'll, let's wait until next year because we've had this discussion for three years. You're, you're right. Uh, you're right. Two, two years, two years. Seven, 17, 18 was the bottom of the, of the worst. All right. All right. Don't make me think of that year, Alex, please don't see. I think what it's become as a Habs fan is I'm looking, I've accepted that Mark Bergevin is not going to get fired. So I look at the way, I try and put myself into what he's thinking, and what he's think what he's thinking is, is that Shea Weber and Carey Price have committed to Mark Bergevin, or he thinks that even though Shea Weber was just kind of did there, and Carey Price of course signed signed that extension, but he like you know you got to think about where he was going to get that, but at the same time he still committed eight years to a market that. If if you're a Leafs fan, you see how William Nylander is treated. I want you to really think about what Carey Price has gotten since he was drafted. It's it's non-comparable. And I look at what Mark Bergevin thinks this team is, and the way I think to survive, you have to think of yes, what next year is going to be because it, it's part of Mark Bergevin. It's like I think the Athletic guys have a joke of this is year two of his second five-year plan, and you're right. They will not get. I think there was a TSN Twitter thing that said that Jeff Petrie could easily be the most sought-after defenseman of the trade deadline, and Tomas Tatar could still get you a fantastic price. Especially if Chris Cryer's injury is as bad as it could be, then the value of Tomas Tatar just goes up, 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 up even more. And of course, uh, Kreider, Kreider, Kreider's playing tonight. Okay, never mind then. So still, but then you have Tomas Tatar is forty-five points in fifty games. And I, sorry, uh, I'd argue that Thomas Tatar is above at least Tyler Toffoli. If I'm listing out the forwards who are on my trade board uh, at this point, I'd say you have Chris Kreider who has a, who's done at the end of the year. You have Thomas Tatar who has this year and next year, and then you have Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. So I think just. The only reason I'm sitting here and I'm telling myself and I'm telling you that they're going to be better next year is because, of course, what this team should have done is two, three years ago, whenever it was, is they should have traded Carey Price or let him walk at free agency. They should have traded Shea Weber back in the day or depending on which alternative timeline you're looking at. Trade like and as I was talking to Will Baldwin ad is you trade wet like Subban for those good few young pieces that you know Peak PK could have gotten you back in the day. Right. And I can sit here and tell you they should sell off these pieces, they should sell off price. Because obviously if this team and Mark Bergevin were doing things properly. That's what they should have done. But the way Mark Bergevin is seeing it, and we can both agree it is the wrong way to do it, is he is trying to right. do this rebuild on the fly. And the best way he sees this team going is, you're again, it's like Minnesota, that you try and go with Weber and Price the years you have them you know, at the level they're still at, and you right. try and just shove in Cole Caulfield and Alex Romanov and Domi and all that. 
it's not the right way to run a team. And as a fan, am I clearly blind to it and just hoping and cheering that, yeah, but next year, guys, maybe next year is when the Bruins start falling apart and Bergeron falls down. Maybe the Leafs defense continues to take a step back and like, which obviously isn't going to happen. And like Mitch Marner not are going to take another step forward. You know, this no Tampa are going to finally run into cap hell and run into a wall. It's just, it's blind hope as a Habs fan that you kind of need to have because you know, the team's not making the right decision to finally just sit down and reset because Mark Bergevin sees what he thinks is an impatient, impatient fan base that, Habs fans, first of all, I think we would accept a rebuild because we would realize, like, we realize this team is in mediocrity. They are the Minnesota Wild of the East, Alex. So you are completely right. And we have been talking about them the same way because there's just such a disconnect. And I think you can see it now between what the fans really want and what Mark Bergevin thinks they want. I can accept a rebuild. For sure. I can. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, but even in 2017, what was Mark Bergevin saying? That, that That's the point I'm making is that it, it, it has to get to a point and I don't know what's going on in the background or what's going on between Mark Bergevin and I, Jeff Molson, right? That's the yeah. owner? What's going on between the two of them that Jeff Molson looks at this and says, oh, look at this other team that has two big contracts, uh, Zach Parise and uh, Ryan Sutter, who are, who, are, who are getting on in age, and we're doing the same thing. They're, it's not like they haven't been bringing in prospects and then having the same result. At the end of the day... Cole Caulfield and Romanov can be very good prospects, and we both know that they're very good prospects. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if your name is not Connor McDavid, like if your name is Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, you can go completely uh, join a team and make them ten times better. But no one else can do that. It's not like basketball where you can draft a guy who's the best player in the world. You can bring in LeBron. You can bring in Kawhi. You can bring in whoever the hell is top 10 in the league and completely be a different. There's 20 players on There's twenty players on the ice or 20, uh, 18, sorry, who play plus your goalie. So... Sure, they can be great players, but if they're not Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid, they're not going to have the biggest impact and it's going to turn around the team. See, the, the, it would only work if, let's say, Carey Price was three, four years younger. Same with Shea Weber. But the timeline of these players, a.k.a. the older ones being in their prime and the younger ones at a point in their development when they can make a difference, it isn't lined up. Oh, sorry for the dog. He's mine, but you know it's, it's just. I and, and what I'm really scared of now that we start talking about it is what if the Habs start rushing these younger guys? <clears throat> now, now, thankfully, it looks right. like there's a you know with K. But so it's at some point we've been saying it for like five years. But that's, I'm sorry about the dog. But at some point, the Habs ownership. Jeff Molson, the rest of Molson, because he's he's that's he's the head of the board. It's it's a weird thing, but eventually they have to turn around and really say the Bergeron, what is going on here? And what I'm scared is of eventually he'll realize 
at some point, finally, his jaw will be in danger, and he pulls off that panic move. And it's either going to be ruining the development of a, of a prospect or moving them, and you have, like, a Martin E. Rat, Philip Forsberg situation. And then at that point, this team is too far into the ground where you can't recover anything. And then you've completely wasted Carey Price's career. You've wasted Brendan Gallagher's best years. And you've just set your team back another five years, and this rebuild will take like seven or eight instead of just four or five like it should have been done. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's blind hope, man. It's blind hope. No one wants to come here. San Jose has terrible taxes. Evander Kane, Eric Carlson, those guys went there. So don't tell me that it's just the taxes anymore. Don't tell me you're not going to mortgage the future anymore. I'm sick of it. Right. Do you have anything else to talk about, about Montreal? Um, a, a good character win coming back from 3 nothing down against the Devils. Again, they're too good of a team to fall bottom of the league, and they're not good enough to really make a solid playoff push. If people think they're going to make the playoffs with two eight-game winless streaks within two, three months of each other, you're 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 mad. You're mad. So that's all. That's all I have to say on the Habs. Shall we go to the Leafs? Pardon? That's all I have to say about the Habs. Shall we go to the Leafs? Yeah. So. Why don't we start with uh, Kasperi Kapanen, and then we'll get into the Florida game. Yeah. Um, obviously, we talked about it uh, Sunday with Daniel that Kasperi Kapanen was scratched Saturday night against the Senators, and then we would find out Monday. So he slept in. That's what we were kind of told. Uh, Kapanen said it was an honest mistake. Uh he was late to practice on Friday and that the team felt like sitting him out was something that he deserved. And Kapanen agreed with that. So he has to take responsibility. Um, you know, my first guess here is that this isn't a one, the first time something like this has happened. You know, uh, you know, we look at what happened to Kadri um, years ago, before 2016, uh, in the Burke era and in the Nonis era, uh, you know, obviously he had issues and then he was suspended three games for missing a practice in March of 2015. Um, so there was a list of things with Kadri, you know, obviously you don't want to want the same to happen with Kapanen. Um, but, you know, obviously there's upside, you know, you look at Kadri comes back from all this uh, is really a key part of your core for almost five years, uh, Kapanen could end up being the same. We'll see what happens there, obviously. So, slept in. He's going to be back. He was playing against Florida, uh, playing tonight. Now, should we get to the Florida game? Uh, Just quickly, one thing on Kapanen, because I saw somebody on Twitter say that he's somehow become Jake Gardner. A fantastic player that people no. who are talking Leafs fans just seem to hate. That's no, not right. No, no, that's not true. All right then. Who but said yeah. that? Who said that? I can't remember. I'll try and find his username. Okay. But I can I'm- tell you. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I can tell you exactly who that player is. Who's turned into the new Jake Gardner? And it's not Kasperi Kapanen. 
Would it be somebody who was supposed to take his place but right-handedly? No, it's William Nylander. Oh, that's... By the way, uh, there the you at drag like pull who said oh. Kapanen is the new gardener a very good player who a huge number of Leafs fans inexplicably don't like Willie you just described William Nylander who scored again word for word just described William Nylander <laughs> so t- take us through the the game because we were watching it oh. in class of course we were paying more attention to our schoolwork and the movie and the guest presenter yeah. than we were no, no one no we no one has to tell gary that we were watching a game in his class okay and you were so happy when captain scored that goal when Nylander scored sorry yeah when when Nylander. yeah because anytime Nylander scores it makes me happy because it just proves he just continues to prove everyone wrong right like i even like you know what uh obviously nylander didn't have the greatest year last year and day one when he signed that contract after game one when he didn't have the best game i said i'm telling you right now that this contract is going to be worth it and i think he's proving that he really is um just before because i have a whole lot to say I have a whole lot to say, but before I get to it, there was a whole lot of people on Twitter saying that, you know, Leaf fans can't take a loss. Um, Last last time I checked, I don't remember ever talking to a fan of any and it not being an irrational conversation. Well, I think the Leafs are in a much different position for most teams because I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's a more frustrating team that is so talented, but mm-hmm. so frustrating to watch. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. I'd agree with that a hundred percent. Very frustrating to watch sometimes, but I I don't think it gets to the point where where it's like okay, you know, it's difficult to it's difficult be like it's difficult being a fan of the Leafs I'm not gonna lie um but I don't understand why like I get it you know if if I'm gonna be honest I wouldn't be surprised if they sent put out numbers that the majority that a good chunk of hockey Twitter is Leaf fans Probably. I wouldn't be surprised pardon they say you know what they say that people who use Twitter are probably like the most if you use Twitter to engage in hockey media, yeah. you're the most passionate fans, and it would yeah, make sense that and probably the most irrational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passionate, passionate. We'll leave it at that. Passionate. No, passionate. But there's pat like I, I'd consider. I, I think we're pretty rational most of the time. Sometimes I go overboard and I become irrational. But. You know, when we're talking about other teams, I don't call Matthew Barzell garbage. Um, you know, I don't call these players that I know for a fact are good garbage for no reason, right? Like, that's irrational. I know, like, you know what I mean? I don't think it's necessary to say we can't take a loss. I think it's just people are extremely frustrated. That's the issue. So who do you think? What's more frustrating right now? That Michael Hutchinson is your perceivable starter, depending on how bad Freddie is, or Cody Cece? You want to start with Freddie? I got so much to say. Uh, 
Did you want to start with Freddy? Buddy, so it's whatever you want to start with. I feel like Cody okay. CT though would be like I think that's the that's the crown jewel. That's the that's end. the last that's the last one. Mm-hmm. So obviously we watched the first two periods in class. Um, you know we I, I'd honestly say we outplayed the Panthers left, right, and center. Considering they were missing Barkov, we were missing Riley uh, and also Freddie in the second third period. So, you know, finish class 8.30, hop on the subway, scores 3-1. I get off the subway before I even see the score. You know, I got these notifications, like, what the hell's going on? Uh, You text me saying, oh, how are you? I'm sorry. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I get another text from from someone. It just says says disgusting. It just says, I'm like... (laughs) What am I missing? Scroll down a little bit. Three, two, three, three, four, three, five, three. What the hell? Leafs were up three one when I got on the subway, and by the time I got on the train, they were losing. It was uh, it was something. I was waiting for you. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous play. And the worst part here is that Sheldon Keefe came out and said that was the best defensive game they've ever played. And you know what? I'd agree with him for the first two periods. Oh, Bobrovsky was was keeping the Panthers in it somehow. He's playing so well. The Leafs were all over the Panthers. Listen, hear me. I'm I'm not nuts to say, you know, Teams make mistakes, right? Uh, but those were some of the stupidest things I've ever seen and just not acceptable. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, we uh, we talked about a very specific Sheldon Keefe quote about the team team's maturity and the lack of it prior to the All-Star break. You know, you come back, play three spectacular games against Nashville, Dallas, and Ottawa. Look, tell me, they did not look good. They looked great. Um, Then you come here, you play another two periods, look really good, and then completely just take a crap in your own bed. It's as if, it's as if they don't even know what's going on. A crap in your own bed. It's like they don't know they're not in a playoff spot. Like, they have to wake up. You know, I get your starting goalie isn't in net. I get it. But, you know, you're supposed to be a strong offensive team and outscore your problems. And Sheldon Keefe comes in and and works on your defense. You know, you go through these weird stretches where you play like, I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, you come back from the All-Star break, three straight games of, you know what, pretty good two-way hockey, uh, little mistakes here or there, which is fine. And then another full period of whatever that was. I don't know what that was. Um, if Freddie's out for long term, which at this point doesn't seem like is the case, doesn't seem like the case, this team needs to mature. Very quickly, because imagine this. I'm going to throw you a scenario, Adam. You have your starting goalie, Michael Hutchinson. 
your backup, Casimir Kaskiswo. That doesn't sound too good, right? It it no. It sounds pretty dire. Listen, I'm gonna pull out an Anthony Stewart quote right here. It's all about the details. It's all about the details. <laughs> Tell me, I listen. This team has lacked and have lacked since 2016. Is it's playing the full 60 minutes. They do it in stretches of games. Then they have a complete blender of of a game or games. But at the end of the day, he's Anthony Stewart's right. When you get to a playoff series against a Boston or a Tampa Bay or, or whoever, a Washington, you can't afford to have a period like that. You can't afford to have a game like that. You can't afford to have games, multiple games like that. It's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Uh, and and there's obviously a couple players that we can blame, um, but before I get to the big one, let's let's get to Freddie. You know he's out day to day, won't play against Wednesday. Uh, then you know you have a back to back coming up against Anaheim in Montreal. Kasky Swole's called up. You know at the end, and I and I said this even after Hutch won four games that. They still need to address the backup goalie situation. And at this point, uh, they put out that, you know, he's only going to play five or six games for the rest of the season. I don't care. That's 12 points. That's 12 points. You know, backup goalie has two jobs. You know, uh, play on the back-to-back, which are games to give relief to your starter, and come into a game in relief for your starter when he's getting shelled. Hutchinson can barely do one of them. He has an 8-8-3-6 save percentage when coming in for, for Freddie this season against Tampa again at the beginning of the season, against Edmonton, and against Florida twice within the last two weeks. You know, fine, he's looked good the last few starts, but... It was against Ottawa, it was against New Jersey, against Detroit, and low-event New York Islanders, okay? Now, I don't know if you saw this list, but Frank Cervelli, TSN guy, put out a list of potential goalie trades. Now, he has six guys. Um, we're, I'm just going to go through them. You give me your opinion. Okay. Uh, Craig Anderson, interesting option, probably not going to happen, wants to stay with Ottawa. Uh do you think Anderson is an option? Uh, well, we talked about it. Uh, was I? I don't remember if it was off show or not. But uh, like uh, Anderson, I think would be a, a nice little pickup for somebody. Uh, and the mm-hmm. Leafs have done business with the Sens before, so I, I don't know. Um, but of course, it's the Sens. It's in your division, and you know they're going to try and get as much out of you as possible, especially with right. Freddie. And you know he may be out. You know. Shorter rather than longer, but you never know. I don't think it's the best option, but yeah, it's one. Do you want to know who number two on the list was? Casey DeSmith? No. Mm. This is ultimate chaos. This is ultimate chaos. You want to start a world war in Toronto? Take a guess. Jonathan Bernier. (laughs) No way. 
I'm going to get his number. Sorry. Get out of here. First off, his co- he has two this year and next year at three million dollars. So no, um, you bring back Jonathan Bernier to this city, someone's gonna burn it to the ground. Someone <laughs> will burn this city to the ground. He's a nine hundred eight percent. A nine hundred eight. That's not care. terrible. For three million dollars. I mean, it's it's no. better. Three million dollars for this year and next year. Yeah, it's a bit much. It is, but no. it's not the craziest idea. Uh, on this list is the craziest idea. Uh, Casey DeSmith, uh, yeah. seeming more like an more and more of an option. You know, considering the LTIR shenanigans. Uh, he's having an off weird year in the AHL, 905 save percentage, 15, 11, and 2. But he has posted decent numbers in the his very limited amount of NHL games. Uh, number four, we have Georgiev. Uh, makes sense, depending on the asking price. Um, if Kapanen or Janssen aren't enough, get the hell out of here. That's already too much. So, you know, he's played 60 or so games in the NHL. I don't know what you're thinking you're getting for him. Um, Robin Leonard, I don't think that makes sense at all because, you know, I'm fine. Even if, unless Anderson is out long, long term, it wouldn't make sense to bring in a bona fide starting goalie. Like what would what would you're giving up a lot? You're giving up a lot. Doesn't make sense. Um, and the last one on the list is Ryan. Uh, you know he's been a pretty good backup for the Ducks for the last three years. You think about what it would take to bring him in, and is Toronto on his modified no trade list? But I think probably hates former Saber former Canuck. Um, so that is his list. I think the most realistic option, I guess, would be Georgiev, uh, maybe Casey DeSmith or Ryan Miller, Bernie and Leonard, just not even close. And then Anderson and on Craig Anderson, sorry, I am a maybe. Shall we get to the crown jewel of jewels? Yeah. So tell me about Marmarinson. No, I'll tell you about Cody Cece though. Hold on, hold on. Let me just let me get a little comfortable here. Let me get comfortable. All right, I don't have any popcorn with me, but I do have a nice tall glass of Gatorade, and I'm now comfortable, Alex. So why don't you tell me about young Cody Cece? So I'm not sure if you watched the gate highlights. But I there did. were a couple of those goals that were clearly, I don't know what the hell Cody so Cody Cece was doing there, um, you know, and, and and it's really pissing me off. Listen, I love Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubish. You know, I I'm I am one of their biggest fans. Uh, you know, I've been pushing for Kyle Dubis since the day he was brought in as general manager. Um, I love the Nylander deal. You know, the Marner and Matthews deal are, I think, good. I don't know. They're not great. But, you know, the Tyson Berry deal, again, Kadri needed to be traded. 
it's unacceptable to get suspended against Boston in the playoffs two years in a row. He, you know, Matt, he has to get rid of the garbage that that is Nikita Zaitsev and the ghosts of Patrick Marlowe. But again, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Cody Cece. Now, we heard a couple months ago, uh, closer to the beginning of the year, that Kyle Dubas was talking about Cody Cece and how uh, we val- the, the, the organization values him more than we value him. I don't know what that means. Then Keith comes out last night. And this got on my nerves. And I understand, you know, he he's not what we what we needed. Obviously not a top pairing guy for with Morgan Riley. He's looked better we he's looked better at times, but better is still not anywhere close to what we need. Um with tr- on the bottom pairing. I heard last night from Sheldon Keefe, this is the quote. We just find he's a guy who's consistent for us in terms of how he competes in his own end and the way he kills penalties. And some guys are going to have bad nights here or there. More often than not, he's been consistent for us. If you mean consistent, I think you mean consistently garbage. I liked your reply to Andrew Berkshire of consistently below (laughs) average. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he's consistently below average for this team. I, I I don't know what this team sees in him anymore. If you listen, if there's no trade market and I can't imagine what the trade market for Cody CC is anymore, that, that's fine. I get it. I understand. But don't come out and tell me that this team that, that this team is better with Cody Cody CC in the lineup. Go make a trade. If you don't want to make a trade, play Timothy Lilligren. You know, I get it. They had a complete blender of a game with him in uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks. But the entire team was garbage. Why don't you try him again? Try Timothy Lilligren again. It does not make sense. I understand. It doesn't make sense to make a blockbuster deal trade at this point. You know, you're not bringing in bringing in your Matt Dumba, which Matt Dumba, again, also doesn't make sense. Uh, just bring in a bottom-pairing defenseman. Like, you know you know who has a million defensemen right now? Um, with you, um, who? Specifically? The Buffalo Sabres. That's true. Do you know who's at? Do you know who asked for a trade? Zach Bogosian has asked for what? Zach Bogosian. Zach Bogosian. Man, how much do you think the the Sabres are asking for Bogosian? Uh, just please take him off our hands. <laughs> like a pick, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine that this team would be worse off with Zach Bogosian in the lineup than Cody Cece. CC was that disruptive to the team, and he didn't even play 14 minutes in that Florida game. He's been disruptive to this team since October 4th, or whenever the hell the first game was. But he was plus three versus the Predators out. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. He's playing on a team with Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, the list goes on of players who are scorers. 
I I don't know what else to say about about Cody C. He, he he's just consistently giving me a headache. He's consistently giving me a headache watching. I I don't know what's going on on the ice. It's like let me ask you. Yeah. Because like they like why do you think the organization like like Kyle Dubas of course had that famous line of hey why is there a referendum on him? They don't have to say anything. So why because you we've clearly seen players being called out by their coaches before. Claude Julien for example has done it plenty of times this year. So why do a the Leafs feel the need to say something and B, when they are asked about him, why do they seem to protect this player? I have no idea. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. This is the one thing on this team. There's two things on this team that I don't understand. That they haven't addressed the backup goalie situation. Fine. You made a mistake on Sparks. I understand. I understand. He's the younger goalie. If you put look at it, if you look at it that way, it makes sense. I don't think last year. Sorry, I I don't think anyone was predicting that the the Tampa Bay Lightning were gonna get swept in the first round, and that if they beat if the Leafs beat Boston, they had a potential to go make an actual run. No one saw that coming. Last year was not an all-in year. You didn't trade Kadri to bring in Tyson Berry. I don't understand why the right side hasn't been even. Uh, listen, I'm not looking for uh, a a big trade. I said it before. Right now, I'd rather keep Janssen and Kapanen until the end of the season, and then say, you know what. Trade one of them within a pa- package or whatever. Bring in someone with top four quality. I don't care who it is. Someone who can play defense and can play with Morgan Riley. Why this team still has Cody Cece on it? I don't know. You think? Do you think T- Timothy Lilligren has enough? Uh, has advanced enough. You know, he's had a pretty darn good season in the AHL, putting up more points. I think almost more points than Jeremy Bracco. Um, yeah, he, he has issues, sure. He has all night like, issues he needs to deal with uh, defensively. I understand. Then go bring in some random guy. Bring in Zach Bogosian for a pick. Go out and make a deal for a right-handed defenseman that isn't Cody Cece on the ice. I, I can't watch Cody Cece on the ice anymore. I'm trying to find... There was a defenseman the Capitals acquired a couple years ago. It's it's the type of move that I think you would want. It's just that nice, stable, steady defenseman. Like Because there's a million guys who are better than Cody Cece. And Is there, than are you talking about Radko Gudis by curiosity? No, not Radko. That was a couple of them. Oh. Michael Kemp, he's uh, a D, but still, like, that type of player. At this point, I want someone who can play on the bottom pairing with Travis Thurman. And is right-handed, that's your vision. And is right-handed, because, I mean, Riley's going to be back in just over a month. 
I don't know what's going to happen at that point, what they're going to do with Sandine, what they're going to do with Dermot. But I, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what else what else to say. Um, you know, I don't even know what's more important. Should you bring in a, a defenseman or you should bring should you bring in a, a goalie? I, I don't know. But even with Freddie in the net, it still looks like this. And I'm sorry, Freddie can't save them all. He can't. No, I don't think any goalie can can save every single shot. So, get someone who's just a stay-at-home D. Because I can imagine you bring Zach Bogosian in, just hypothetically here. Tr- um, Sheldon Keefe's not going to play him 25 minutes a night. Like, he's not going to say, oh, you know what, let's play him with Riley because Riley really needs a uh, a partner who stay at home. I think he's smart. I think Sheldon Keefe is smart enough to say, you know what, we'll, we'll play you on the third pair. That's, that's, I, I don't know what else to say. Then I, I it, it's a sad note, but it is a realistic one. I guess, is that everything for today, Alex? Any more to say on the Leafs? Well, they're play, they, play against, they play the Rangers tonight, so they better step it up. Uh, they have to play in front of um, Michael Hutchinson. I don't know about you, Alex, but I have a good feeling about tonight. I don't know. Why is that? I just I feel like a lot of fun stuff is gonna happen around the league tonight. I, I I feel like the Leafs. I think they are gonna surprise you tonight. I just have a feeling about it. They're gonna listen I to hope this. So too. And you know what else I think the Leafs are gonna do? And it's the same the same thing the listeners should do if they're listening to this. They should subscribe to this podcast on wherever they're listening to it. They should also rate it or score it, whatever they need to do, and leave a review maybe. Tell us what you would do. What a goalie would you try and get? What would you do with Cody Cece besides throwing him into the sun, of course? Uh, check out the show's YouTube channel where we put up, where Alex puts up clips of the show, as well as the Instagram channel. As, I mean, Instagram page also ran by Alex. He works hard. And check out my YouTube channel, of course, where I talk about the Habs and just how they continue to just pluck at my heartstrings. Um, of course, the Leafs are playing tonight. That'll be fun. Later on in the week, me and Alex are probably going to kill each other because the Leafs and the Habs play on Saturday. And yeah, I think that's everything for today. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone, and wish Alex luck in the rest of the season.